ideas, inspiration, innovation. This is The Game Changer. And now here's your host, Chickie Fitzgerald. Good afternoon, it is Chickie Fitzgerald, and we are diving into our second dialogue with Ed Derrick, who is the author of just an amazing book of images and stories of combat in Iraq, Afghanistan, and, and a number of other places as well. The book is called War Moments, and it was so filled with amazing stuff that we couldn't finish in one interview. So, Ed, thank you so much for coming back today. Yeah, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. Really appreciate it. Well, I'll tell you what, this this book is, um, I, I really need to, to sit down and, and read it cover to cover, because while you say that, uh, you know, you could just kind of parachute in and out of the book, uh, I found when I started reading from the beginning, I really didn't want to stop. So for those of you who are listening to the show today, uh, this is more than just a book of uh, amazing photographs. It is a book of, of just incredible insight, uh, technical understanding of the world that, that Ed was asked to come in and photograph. And we are going to dive right into uh, one of my favorite images from the book. Uh, it is called Warlight, and it is on page 69 of the book. And it is uh, something that you kind of stumbled on. So why don't you set the stage, Ed? Yeah, I was embedded with Marines in uh, Haditha in Iraq. It was a very restive area. Uh, it was. Uh, I'm actually finishing up a book about the battalion, the battalion that I was embedded with was the second battalion of the third Marine regiment, you know, finishing up a book about their deployment. I was there after things were really bad. Um, they lost a lot of Marines and <clears throat> it was a really tough fight for them. Uh, it's very difficult because it was a counterinsurgency. They had to, uh, do a lot of restraint. Uh, you know, it wasn't you know, all out war like you see on, you know, like the sands of Iwo Jima or something like that. It was, right. um, you know, counterinsurgency. So, I would go out on patrol with the Marines and we would go, you know, down streets, corridors, and then check out some of these abandoned houses and see if there were any weapons or anything being hidden in there. And as a photographer, you always want to have some ideas of the types of photographs that you want to get. You know, you're not going to stage anything, especially in a war zone, but you want to be on the lookout for key images. And But there's other images that just sort of happen. And those images can be, predicated on form, you know, on composition, and sometimes they're predicated on light. And uh, that's what this one was. It was this interesting lighting situation where the light was coming in from through this window. And so it was partially silhouetting a Marine who was looking around for hidden, you know, weapons or hidden explosives. But then also because of the color of the rocks on the floor, it reflected back on them. And I just was able to really quickly make a composition of this image inside. I had I had never even really come across a situation quite like it before. Uh, it was this interesting external light that was casting the Marines upper portion in a silhouette. And then this, the rest of them was, was cast, uh, you know, front lit through the reflection from inside the room it was really int intriguing. 
Well, and, and the other thing is it wasn't just any window. It was actually a, a beautiful window in, in a room that was, um, the walls were stone. And yeah. so there's interesting light there. And when you start to look at all the detail, and I thought it was interesting. And again, I'm not a photographer, but I do know about, you know, fill light and that kind of thing. And, and you had indicated that, you know, if you had turned on your flash, it, it actually would have destroyed uh, what was oh, yeah. a really rare lighting opportunity. Yeah, it's always interesting, too, to have other people look at the photographs. Like, I, I'm looking at the window now, and I never really noticed it before. I, I noticed it as a source of light to come in, but you're right. It's a beautiful window, the way they have it designed. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, yes, also, it's leaded. It, it, it really is, uh, is extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, thank you for pointing that out. It's just, it's interesting what, what I focus on and what other people see, everybody sees a little bit things a little bit differently yes. in each photograph taken by me or other people. So it's, um, yeah, that was a, that was a, that's a favorite of mine as well. Well, and the other amazing thing is he was actually in motion, right? You can, one of his, one of his feet is up in the air. So your ability to capture this clearly is really a testament of, of your skill. So I, I want to jump ahead to uh, another one that that just really spoke to me, and that is the picture on page seventy-five, the Euphrates Patrol. Okay, let me grab this one. I know which one you're talking about. Um, another favorite of mine. That's Lieutenant Park. He's in medical school right now at UC Davis. Um, great guy, and that you know the Euphrates River corridor is really beautiful. I mean, it's it's incredible. You've got this stark expansive desert and then you've got this ribbon of life uh, that flows you know it's you know within about 100 meters of either side of the river you know palm groves and and you know little farms and and uh and shepherds with their sheep and that kind of thing and uh it's there's also some interesting archaeology that i have no idea how old it is or who built it why it was built but we were on patrol and we found this structure and uh, we were wandering around and, and, you know, taking a look around at different things. And I saw Brian walking along this one ledge, uh, and then he just became perfectly framed by this, uh, for lack of a better term, an aperture, an opening in this stone structure. And I was ready with my camera at about, you know, a second to get ready, which, you know, in some situations, a second is really short and some situations yeah. that gives you a bit of time and that was one I had I felt like one second was a bit of time and threw the camera up my you know the viewfinder up to my eye and and started uh you know taking some pictures so it was uh um yeah it was a really interesting moment so mm -hmm. um, yeah it's just a yeah. stunning photo so uh again some of the things that you saw uh were not well, uh, most everything in this book was not at all staged. Um, yeah. There is a picture on page 90, and as I read through the story, uh, it has to do with uh, one of the soldiers that you were with who had a helmet, and he had actually sewn uh, a flag on his helmet. And so yeah. you, you took a number of, of pictures with that. And, and while you said that the photo wasn't staged, but, you know, the American flag being there, wasn't that wasn't the norm uh, for the soldiers. No. So talk, talk to us a little bit about uh, Justin and about that particular picture, because it really gives an amazing view of the, the terrain 
that you guys were yeah. on, which while beautiful is also, uh, you know, very, very difficult, uh, you know, to defend. Yeah, absolutely. That the Marine in that photograph is Justin Bradley. And he, again, like so many of the subjects in this book, he's a good friend of mine. Uh, he was a member of uh, first platoon uh, echo company, the second battalion, third Marines. Uh, they were based in this, um, tiny little combat outpost, a little fire base, they call it, in uh, eastern eastern Afghanistan's Kunar province in the Hindu Kush mountains. And um, this was my first combat operation, and I tagged along for a good portion of it with Justin. And uh, I guess before I came out there, he had heard that there was going to be, you know, a photographer showing up. And so he, uh, he sewed this American flag on the back of his helmet. And it made for a lot of really good photographs. So like mm -hmm. I said, in the, the narrative about that, the photo wasn't staged, but him putting the, the flag on his helmet yeah. was. And I thought it worked out really cool because, um, you know, we were up there in this particular image. Um, the Marines were looking around for um, a cave complex where they were Taliban and Al Qaeda had hidden uh, a, a mortar tube and base plate. And a few days before I arrived at uh, Camp Blessing, uh, they did a mortar attack on the base and um, killed one of the Marines, Lance Corporal Stephen Valdez. And so this was called Operation Valdez and he mm. helicoptered up there and uh, went on patrol. And actually, this photograph was taken right after they found the cave. And so Justin and another Marine were scouring the mountains around the spot. And uh, it was at dawn, really a little past dawn. And uh, I, you know, this beautiful scene emerged with uh, Justin in the foreground, another Marine in the background, and you could see the, the Pesh River Valley off in the distance going up to Nuristan. So it's a really, mm. you know, this whole, that whole part of the world is really storied, you know, the Hindu Kush Mountains near the Afghan-Pakistan border. It's just a remarkable area. Right, right. Um, there is another one on page 92, which uh, is a mixture of light, again, because you've got a picture of the 50 caliber uh, gun that was actually designed at the end of the First World War. And when you think about that, of, of all of the emphasis on technology in the military, and we're still using this particular gun, uh, but this photo, uh, again, it, the light is just bouncing off of the, the casings, and I, I, I don't know what you call the shells, but I'll let you tell the story. Yeah, the, uh, the M2, I uh, call it the, the title of the photograph is Blessing M2, <clears throat> um, and that, you know, if you go through the history of technology, there are certain things that just work, and they work really well, and they're going to continue to work really well, and the, the the, the Browning machine gun, the Browning, you know, 50 caliber machine gun is one of them. I think they're up to, now they have the M3, which I think is, they use, a, I don't know for sure, but they use a lot, I think, on a helicopter gun ships. And I don't know the difference between the three and the two, but, you know, this weapon system dates all the way back to, to World War One, And the, um, you know, it's a 50 caliber, so it's .50 caliber, which means that the diameter of the round is a half of an inch. So, uh, and then what you're seeing in the casings on this, and they're, they're linked together in a belt. And uh, I shot this image at a guard post um, and it, looking down toward into the Pesh River Valley. And I did use fill lighting for the foreground to balance it out. Um, but yeah, they, uh, it's, a, it's an exceptional perimeter defense weapon that the Marines used 
and they continue to use it. And they also use it on what's called mounted patrols. They'll mount them up on top of a turret on uh, some of the larger trucks and uh, MRAPs. Mm. Uh, MRAPs is a uh, is a type of uh, it's called mine resistant ambush protected. It's a a, a vehicle that's in, I'm gonna say impervious, but nearly impervious to uh, improvised explosive devices and ambushes. So mm. yeah, it was um, there was one of these 50 cows and a few different guard towers, and uh, I really wanted to you know they get fired, uh, and especially when those guys got ambushed, which was at certain points of their deployment pretty pretty regularly. But um, right. yeah, I really wanted to get that captured in there with the rounds. And <clears throat> if you look closely, some of them are tipped. The color is red, and that means to trace around. Every fourth or fifth or tenth round, uh, they'll link them in uh, so that mm. at night or even during the day, they can see exactly where the rounds are going. Very interesting. Yeah, and we saw that in one of the pictures that we uh, talked about the other day. Uh, another one I find just uh, really poignant is on page 105, where, where you talk about how sometimes when you're in certain places, you kind of forget that you're in a war zone, which I, I can't imagine uh, you, you forget for very long. But this was a, just a very interesting photo that you took called yeah, Tank Parking. Parton. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just I was in Haditha. Uh, wandering around and taking pictures. It was a, it was a spot that was relatively safe. And I just sort of forgot that I was in a war zone and I looked up and someone had spray painted on this, you know, this section of, uh, um, you know, it's like a, a concrete divider, but it's probably about six or seven feet tall, uh, barrier, concrete barrier. And someone had spray painted tanks parking and it's ringed with concertina razor wire. <laughs> and I was like, yep. I'm definitely in a war zone, you know, when there's <laughs> yeah. signs tanks parking. So that was, a, that was a good one. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, and another one is uh, the picture that you took in the cornfield. And, you know, it's so funny because corn, um, you know, obviously is providing sustenance to those in the region, but it yep. also presented, um, you know, this big, what you call the thicket of unknown, right? In the, the photo is called through the unknown. Yeah, the a lot of the areas around uh, Camp Blessing, Firebase Blessing, uh, had you know there were fields and had corn in them. And you know this one, I mean the the corn is like six feet tall or more than six feet tall. Some of it's like seven feet tall. Yes. And the insurgents and the terrorists they would hide in in the fields and they'd come out and start ambushes with RPGs and machine guns. And, um, you know, I was aware of that I didn't experience it, but I was always ready to do one thing, which is dive flat on my stomach and put my head right. down. If I heard, right. you know, anything open up like that. And, uh, I, while we were going through, actually, I think the Marine in front of me is, is Justin Bradley also, but he had taken the American flag off by that, by that point. And right. so I just remember going through following him. We just crossed a river. Uh, and then we're going up, there was, um, Matt Bartles, the, the commanding officer of Camp Blessing had, uh, gotten intel that there was a hidden dishka, which is similar to the 50 caliber machine gun. It's a little bit bigger. And, uh, they, they actually, that was an old Soviet block weapon system and they use it as an air, any aircraft gun, but the Taliban mm -hmm. and Al-Qaeda use it, you know, just as a machine gun. And, um, Indeed, they, the Marines found one hidden, uh, but getting there required us to cross through this, this cornfield. And it was, you know, it was unnerving. And like I 
Yes. Explain in other photographs, one of the things that I did that would soothe my nerves to start taking pictures. And, yes. you know, you sort of think, then you just, you know, you don't become, you don't become feelers, but you, 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 you have something else to focus on literally. Exactly. <laughs> So. Exactly. Um, one of the other uh, ones that was very thought-provoking was on page 117, and this is a, a bit of the the lingo that you have to learn uh, when yep. you're when you're in the war theater. And for those of us, uh, you know, who've been in the travel industry, we we use uh, the letters and the phonetic representation of those letters uh, when we're. Uh, giving people a confirmation number on an airline ticket, right? But but tell us a little bit about Oscar Mike on the move on page 117. Yeah, the military has what are called brevity codes, and some of these are official, uh, like SATCOM, that's sat satellite communication, and some of them are un not official or they're unofficial. And when you say what, what it, what's your status or what's your sit rep, your situation report, that's another brevity code. Uh, he said, you know, are you guys Oscar Mike? That means are you on the move? Because on is O and the phonetic for O is Oscar. And then Mike is phonetic for M as in on the move. So um, when you're Oscar Mike, you're moving. And that's, uh, it's a couple things. Really, it's one of them is just sort of declaratory where it's like, well, what's your situation? Are you guys at point A or point B? Well, we're Oscar Mike heading to point B. All right. And it's also um, sort of a motivating thing. Like let's, let's be Oscar Mike the whole time because when you're moving, you're harder to hit target. Exactly. So, well, and, uh, and here right. they were, they were crossing a, a river. And again, you, uh, I would think that when you're out in the open like that, it's, uh, it's much more dangerous. And again, uh, you reverted to taking pictures of what was going on, but it, that was a really wonderful photo showing uh, being on the move. And yeah, and also when you look at that water, you see how clear it is. I mean, it you strip away the the, the war-torn nature of the area <clears throat> and all the the fighting that happened there from <clears throat> all the way back into the 70s at the you know the at the that's really where the Soviet-Afghan war started right yes. in that area. The first shots were fired in that area, but it's so beautiful. It's such a it is a mountain paradise. We're right on the border of um of uh, Nuristan, which is this sort of mythical area that very few people have ever visited. It's mm -hmm. deep in the Hindu Kush, and you know that's what it looks like. You know, these clear rivers and steep walled valleys and snow-capped mountains and lush meadows and forests. It's really beautiful there. Right. So what, one of the other elements of war, and this is actually a little bit hard to think about, is that life goes on. I mean, people live in this world and they live in it every day to where it does become almost normal for them, right? They, many of the, the children in particular have not ever known anything but this. Exactly. And you've got a, yeah. you've got a fabulous photo on page 121 called the Welp Welcoming Committee. And you know, anybody who's traveled uh, in third world countries, kids coming up to you and wanting candy or money or, you know, just attention or just a chance to speak the one or two words of English that they happen to know. This one, there's just this great kid in the middle of the picture with this awesome smile. And I don't know if this guy in the photo had said something to him or whether he was trying to get attention with it, but it really is a lovely photograph. Thank you. Yeah, that was in Marja, Afghanistan, and 
again, I was attached to uh, Marines out on patrol. And, you know, as often happens, you know, we got mobbed by kids and they didn't really want anything at this point. But like you said, sometimes they want uh, candy or some just to talk. And right. these guys just wanted to come and say hi. And, uh, you know, you always wonder, um, another photograph that I had in there, what you know, it's called passersby. It just, you know, makes you wonder like what's going through their minds and yes. how do they, I mean, because, you know, it's a really disarming, which is ironic, disarming because the Marines holding an M16 that's loaded and, but it's a really sort of, I don't want to say innocuous. It's just a, it's a, it, it, it's a unexpected it's things like this are kind of unexpected for people who haven't gone over and experienced this stuff. And, you know, he's all geared up. He's got all these, you know, he's got his, you know, magazines of ammunition on his uh, chest harness and he's got a helmet on and a flak. And, uh, you know, he's surrounded by kids that are smiling and just looking around. And it's, it's like you said to them, it's, they, this is normal. They see it a lot and they know that it's, it's not a, dangerous situation to see a Marine on yes. walking down the street. In fact, a lot of times, contrary to a lot of uh, media portrayals, it's a welcome site because, you know, who are unwelcome uh, to them are the, you know, the Taliban and Al Qaeda because they right. really are an invading force. Uh, right. They're not an organic force that they've often been portrayed as, you know, mm-hmm. in Afghanistan. So, but um, yeah, so I'm glad you picked that one out. It is one of my well, favorites not, as well. And I'm going to jump backwards because I, I passed up one that uh, I was trying to decide how much time we would have. And since we took a whole nother uh, day to go through the rest of them, I'm going to jump back to page 63. And, and you may have wondered why I jumped over it, but uh, it, it actually was one that I, I loved. But when I was first looking at your book, it was early in the morning here. And I'm in a room that that doesn't have great lighting. And I almost didn't see the puppy in his arms because the colors of the puppy are very yeah. similar to the desert uh, uniform uh, that, that yeah. the guys yeah. wear. And and this this picture was called Nala. And I think there was another place where you talk about dogs and, and how they're not supposed to bring the dogs into uh, inside the wire. And, and it's actually uh, forbidden, but uh, there are a lot of relationships with dogs that made it into your book. So uh, tell us more about that. It's Eva. Yeah, you know, a lot of, a lot has been written about, um, you know, dogs in war and, and their, their, their applications as, you know, combat assault dogs and, um, you know, dogs to help sniff out explosives. But there's, other dogs that are local strays that they make it inside the wire and they end up becoming these unofficial pets, especially some of these smaller combat outposts, you know, at the big Ford operating bases that that doesn't happen because, you know, rules are rules and some people will enforce them more stringently than others. And when you're on the big bases, they, they do and do the stringent enforcement, but uh, at the smaller combat outposts, I mean, that one with uh, Richard Laughlin there holding the Nala the puppy, that was the size of, you know, had a footprint of, you know, a, a suburban house, like a quarter acre. Um, and surrounded by Taliban country. And very rarely did any of the, you know, they call them the higher ups, the, uh, you know, the lieutenant colonels or majors or, or even, you know, occasional generals that would 
make the rounds, uh, you know, these, these small bases, they, uh, it was just very rare. And so it technically it was breaking the rules, but it wasn't causing any harm. You know, in fact, right. it was like a little escape time for some of the Marines because who doesn't like a puppy unless you're right. allergic to dogs. And, uh, and it's just nice to be able to have, you know, a little bit of, um, I guess a component of escapism, you know, it's, it's a dangerous world out there where those guys were at. I mean, even though they were quote unquote inside the wire, they were still surrounded and it wasn't much of a wire. I mean, it was a, a mud wall. And right. so, um, you know, it's just, uh, it's just a nice thing. It's just a nice way to, you know, escape from the moment. And yeah. so that's kind of what the, those little uh, combat outpost dogs did because there's a few of them that I came across during my time. Right. Yeah, there was another, another lovely one on, on page 19, uh, actually of a little larger dog and, and, uh, you know, in the frame is, is, uh, is a gun. Right. Uh, and so, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I actually love the stories. I'm not, I'm not a dog person, but I can't imagine you've got a lot of cats, uh, roaming around, uh, <laughs> no, dogs no, are and, a little hardier. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to see, uh, fob ferret, you know, right, exactly. Photos, right? Exactly. yeah, that was an interesting one that that was um, <clears throat> at Ford operating base Monty. And there was a few of those dogs that were living there. They, <clears throat> one of them was a puppy that lived in this um, dog house that the Marines had built that they had actually, the place got attacked so much. They'd sandbag the dog house oh, wow. and uh, <laughs> just to keep the dog protected uh, from attacks. And, um, this one, I didn't even know this dog's name, but, you know, he was another one that just hung out there on base. And there was a soldier who had just got back inside the wire and was smoking a cigarette. And here was this dog resting his mm. head up against the saw. The saw is a squad automatic weapon. It's a, it's an automatic, you know, 5.56, uh, millimeter, uh, machine gun, handheld machine gun. And he was just petting him and the dog was just, you know, rubbing mm. his snoot on the, on the, on the gun. <laughs> And that's life in a war zone. Right, right. Well, the, the photo I want to end with, um, and, and again, I so appreciate you coming back a second time. And, and this one really pulls it all together. And, and I don't think you'll be surprised that it's, it's uh, the, the other picture of Mike at the end of the book, uh, Mike Scholl. Um, and, and again, you, you talk in the text about him having this punishing load. And, you know, it's yeah. a little harder, you know, those of us who wear backpacks with our computer in it or, you know, kids with book bags, we've talked about the weight in it. Um, but, you know, he just is, he's just moving along as if it is uh, a very light load. And uh, obviously these soldiers carry a load that is more than physical. And uh, again, this, this is one of your friends that uh, is no longer with us, but tell us the story of Mike Oscar Mike. Yeah, that was, this is the last photograph in the book and the covers of Mike, uh, that silhouette shot right at dawn. Mm -hmm. Um, this shot I took just before that we had, we we're at the beginning of a large combat operation in, uh, Eastern Afghanistan's Kunar province in the Hindu Kush. And, um, we started out, uh, I should say the Marines started out and then me attached to them. So we, but, I um, just want to clarify that I was never in the military. I was just right. tagging along. But um, we started out in this little village called Waterpour, and we were going along these mud 
walls and these terraces at pitch black and that was scary and then we got you know climbed the side of this mountain and just as we got up to the top um the sun you know came over the horizon and it was just this beautiful shower of golden light and i was just in perfect position to photograph mm -hmm. mike and he was holding this uh it's called the m240 g 240 golf uh medium machine gun over his shoulder and it is a punishing load i mean the weapon itself i think weighs about 27 or 28 pounds and then he's wearing his helmet mm. and his flak jacket with ceramic plate inserts and you know food and water in his backpack and you know it just really kind of says it all for me how tough uh mike was and how tough it is to be a you know in marine infantry and particularly what they call 0331 that's the that's the uh, MOS, Military Occupational Specialty. That's the number for uh, Marine Machine Gunner. Mm -hmm. And that's what Mike was. So, and he was right. great at it. Right. So, yeah, it was, and he was on the move. So, Mike, Oscar Mike. That's, right. uh, mm -hmm. you can see this foot is a little bit blurred, you know, with low light. Had to, you know, had, keep the aperture open a bit. And uh, so, but even with that, it's still kind of a slower shutter speed. So, I really had to hold that camera steady. Mm -hmm. and start shooting frames and you know i uh vertical alignment um and uh and yeah it turned out really well it's a really important well, photograph for yeah. a lot of reasons that is an understatement ed um i want to just read from from the back of the book and i i know that as as publishers help you put this stuff together they they try to help pull out what will communicate to the person who picks this up. You know, do I want to uh, actually buy the book? And uh, and the the major text that is highlighted on on the back cover is captivating images and deeply engaging narrative, bring modern combat alive like never before. And you know, I I have always been fascinated uh, by by war. It happens to be a genre of movie that you know my husband and I share that we we really really enjoy. Um, and, and partially because of, of the fascination of, of something that we'll never see firsthand. And, you know, you've had uh, the benefit of not only being there and getting to know these guys uh, on a very, very personal level, but to be able to bring their story to life for others who won't ever get to see it. And by the way, you came back alive, which is also uh, pretty amazing considering uh, all that you saw. So uh, again, we have been speaking with Ed Derrick. He is the author of an incredible uh, assembly of photographs and stories of combat in Iraq, Afghanistan, and beyond. Uh, and the book is called War Moments. Ed, how can they follow you, get in touch with you? Uh, what's the best way? Um, it's I have a website. It's Derek.com. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I mean, just Google my name. That's the easiest way. Ed Derek, just, you know, go to Google and type my name in. And uh, if they want to get the, if anybody wants to get the book, just go to Google and type in war moments. And the first thing that'll pop up is the link to Amazon. And, uh, you know, I've got my email address on my website. It's easy to find. Uh, right, Facebook, right. Um, you know, I'm on Facebook. It's easy to find me there. Same with Twitter and Instagram. So all sorts of ways to stay, uh, stay connected. Well, Ed, it has just really been delightful to reconnect and uh, would love to talk to you after your next book is, is done and out. It sounds like it is a really deep dive into to that experience that you described for yep. us. 
So thanks again, and uh, I will definitely continue to follow you because it has just been an amazing uh, journey over the last decade, and uh, I am honored to know you, sir. Thank you. It's great to know you, too. It's a real pleasure. Thank you so much for that. And, and even Welcome. though you weren't part of the military, I'm going to say thank you for your service because this is something um, that you did voluntarily and independently and you know you, you didn't know if if you were going to be able to make a, a a go of this a career of this and and you know thankfully uh you've had a, a very nice long history of of documenting this for those of us who won't ever ever get that opportunity so thank you so much thank you very much have a wonderful day I really oh you it. too take care bye 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 You've been listening to The Game Changer. Ideas. Inspiration. Innovation. With Chickie Fitzgerald.